to season three of Random Faces Podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Dom, and today I have a very special guest. Uh, he goes by DJ uh, Walker. He's the creator and founder of Honey Bear Productions. DJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. Uh, no problem. He's my but we're going to clarify something real quick. Yes, go ahead. HB4L Productions. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, HB, HB4L Productions. So I'm here to keep you in check. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. You tired, good? but tired. good. Yeah. You're a busy man. I am, you know, working and trying to make a film life happen. It, it definitely keeps you busy. So, uh, me and DJ, uh, we're co workers. One of the things we bonded on was uh, him being a director and me running a label and him looking for work and wanting to collaborate on projects. And uh, more and more time I get, had a chance to speak with him and talk to him. Uh, I said, you know what? I want to have him on my podcast. Uh, so this is Random Faces. This is for all of the dreamers, the creators, the nine to fivers that have goals that they're trying to accomplish in life. So I have this platform so people could listen to your story. That's great. I, you know, actually, I think that's really something that's important because, you know, the thing is, is most people have dreams, right? Right. And in film, music, art in general, whatever it be creatively, you know, it's one of the kind of hardest things to break into because there's no steady paychecks mm. are very rare. Yeah. Film, there's a little bit, but it's, it's minute. So it's it's breaking through, getting that break, getting that lucky break. Right, you know? right. <clears throat> um, so, you know, 90, probably maybe 80% of the time, you're always going to be that indie person struggling because you're probably not going to make it in the big time as far as making big Hollywood films because that's a really hard group to break into. Right, right. You know, it's a boys club. Right, there's only like a handful of directors that is in that club that mm -hmm. that you know when they release their films that, okay, that's Christopher Nolan or so-and-so. Exactly. So. so, yeah, so, I mean, the reality is, yeah, you could get maybe paid gigs directing television episodes right. or commercials, yeah. music videos, and look, there is nothing wrong with doing that. Because mm -hmm. there are some people that that's specifically what they want to do. And that's great. You know, I love doing music videos. You know, yeah, yeah, Vicarious King. Vicarious yeah. King. Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough to do the local artist here in Phoenix. Um, he's a great guy, very talented. Shout out to him. Yeah, a very big shout out to him. And he, I, just, I just heard that he just finished his record. Awesome. He put that on social media. That So I'm hoping that, you know, he... Still wants to collaborate on a lead video, right. you know, for the single and stuff. So, um, but you know, and, and I'm not opposed to commercials and stuff like that. I just want to do something just to be creative. But ultimately, my dream is to tell narrative stories. You and, know, to and be a filmmaker that makes films. Film, and and that's what I was going to say. A lot of uh, your your short films or your um, visuals on on youtube it's stuff that a lot of people in this world that could relate to you know identity crisis or trying to find themselves in the world and uh one of my favorites from you is the hot date short film mm -hmm. uh, so 
I love the fact that you are able to take real life situations and apply them into your film. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, that I was told <clears throat> in film school by uh, one of our teachers. Her name is Anna. I love her. She she always told me, "Look, your niche and your wheelhouse is doing stories that are kind of the dark side of everything, the underbelly, right? The stuff people don't want to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I've always been fascinated by that because." You know, in my block project for school, you know, most of the kids, and I do call them kids because most of them are 18 to 20 something years old. Yeah. And here I am, a 40 something year old going back to school. Yeah. And so when we had to come up with an idea for a block project that had to be shot on film, no audio, yeah. you have to tell a story visually. And I've seen that a lot of your earlier work is like that. It, it's tough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it makes you think kind of outside the box, right? So I was like, well, I want to tell a story, like a love story. But I'm like, I don't want to tell a regular love story. I want to tell a story about someone who's transsexual. Yeah, yeah. And this was before it kind of was hip. Right. You know, the whole Bruce Jenner, everything. Um, And so I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And so luckily, I knew a friend that I worked with who is a drag queen performer. Right. And he knew someone who actually is a transsexual that actually performs as a man and was like, you need to get in contact with him. Yeah. And I was like, okay, gave me the information. I contacted him and said, hey, I'm trying to do this little short story kind of from this perspective so people understand, right? And he was all about it to bring awareness. Right. And it was such a a learning experience because – you know, I met with him several times and to see this process that he goes through like injections, getting growing hair on his legs, right. taping down his female breasts. You know, it was it was fascinating to me, like all the stuff that you went through right. just to be the person you think or who you I shouldn't say think, but who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I felt really pumped. I'm like, because it's it's got such a truth to it, yeah. you know it? And so we did the the film. Anna was one of the biggest supporters, but a lot of people were like, wow, because it, it, it's touching um, and it deals with being bullied because the gist of the story is this girl falls in love with Sam because it's called I am. Sam I Am. Yeah, yeah. And the reality is the girl knows Sam is really a female trying right. to be she doesn't judge she falls in love with who they are as a person and when he gets bullied by these kind of punk typical straight kind of guys right um she's there for him and he kind of rejects her because he's ashamed that he's been exposed because at one point there's where the boy pulls out the sock the sock right from his pants and that's kind of you know that's such a violating thing, yeah, right? Yeah, and and that embarrassment in front of this person that you love, who but still she's sticking up for him, right? And so he kind of shuns her away. Well, in the end, she comes and she's like, "I know who you are, and I love this person." So it ends in this kind of happy way. But um, the greatest thing about it was after it was released on YouTube, I actually got two messages through YouTube. Wow private messages from two transsexual people who said, 
I just want to thank you for making this beautiful little short film that is my life and what I went through and, and all that. And I am I kind of almost want to get emotional now thinking about it because yeah, yeah I don't have a big following yet. Yeah. You know, it's hard to get followings on YouTube when you're just a filmmaker, you're not a vlogger, somebody who's constantly content, content, content daily. Yeah. 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 So it's tough and that's okay. But you know, when you only got like 150 subscribers and someone is watching reach takes the time to write to you and tell you this affected my life and thank you for doing that i don't care if it's one person or two person that was the greatest feeling so that it's always going to be ingrained in my brain as one of the best things that happened especially in school you know yeah that that's amazing i think when you have those moments where someone is able to respond to something like that and speak it speaks directly to you because it's like damn someone is paying attention exactly. or i made something and it affected someone in this way in a positive way mm-hmm. and i commend you on stuff like that you know like again you said this is way before bruce jenner or anything like that so you it was a challenge to even do something like that well, at that time yeah because i was i was kind of nervous not nervous in the sense of like doing it but nervous like when we had to present our ideas yeah. in front of 30 people everybody's all these kids are like we want to make funny little comedy shorts because that's what they mostly do or little horror shorts right and hey they're great i've done them too right here i come saying oh i'm gonna make a love story about a transsexual person oh, you changed you know? it up. yeah and, yeah they, like... they all just kind of looked at me <laughs> and i was like and the teacher's like okay yeah but i'll tell you what at the end of that a lot of them were like, wow, you know, that was really touching and right. great. And you kind of did show something that we're not exposed to, that being the key word. Because most of them are college kids who are straight kids for the most part, right. you know, and they're young and they probably haven't been exposed to that kind of stuff, you know. So, um, but hey, now they know. So that's, so that, that's a learning opportunity. I know. Right? That's ill. That's ill. So, Let's take it back from the beginning. Like, um, when did you um, say, you know what, I'm going to jump into being a filmmaker? So, I mean, I always wanted to make movies since I was a little boy. Anybody who knows me knows how much I love Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was very inspired, like a lot of people that make films, especially today, um, who are my age, that those original Star Wars movies had such an impact and I used to take my little action figures and tell my own adventures and stories. Wow. And so, you know, I was like, I would love to do that. So when I turned 18, I actually went to school for film and actually audio production. Wow. Um, for like mixing and recording and stuff. Because I am fascinated by music too. And I went to um, the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So I left my family in, Florida, in Illinois. In Flo- oh, okay. And moved to Florida. Wow. So being eighteen, moving halfway across the country, no family support, nothing. You know, that's already kind of challenging. Exit. But a lot of kids do it, right? Right, right. And so, um, but the problem was, is after a year, I couldn't afford it because I think at the time one of my parents wasn't working, so I got good financial aid. When I went to reapply, both of them working. So they're like, <laughs> nope, we cut like in half. And my mom had still my brother and sister who were young at home. And I think they wanted them to pay like four or 500 a month on top of my two, you know, what I had for scholarships and stuff. Right. Um, so they're like, look, you know, 
I come from a lower middle class family in Illinois who still has kids. They can't afford 500 bucks a month for me to be in school. Right. So I had to leave. And I was really angry and bitter about that. Who were you, time. if you don't mind me, who were you angry towards? Was it yourself or was it just like your whole the situation, situation? The whole situation. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't blame my parents. It's yeah. not their fault. Right. But I was mad because I was doing well. I think I was like, you know, a B plus ish student. So you, you were know? thriving. You were, good. yeah, you yeah. were doing good. Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like it was ripped away. So, you know, I, I kind of being immature and 19 years old at that point was like F school. I'm not going back. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And then I just started working full time and I did that for 20 something years. Yeah. And I kind of always regretted that I never got to go back and finish because I'm the first person in my family to go to college. Wow. I'm the first person to graduate. High honors. Just saying. Hey, <laughs> I'm the second person in my family. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So anybody yeah. going and, and, you know, getting education and bettering themselves is great. Right. right. But so, um, but, you know, I'm a person that believes things happen for a reason. So maybe my time wasn't right then. Right. But. Once I hit my 40s, I was very focused and ready. You what, know? what was that, that spark or that, that light bulb in your head that said, you know what, I'm going to continue. I'm going to jump right back into uh, filmmaking. So funny enough, I was part of a paranormal investigations team. Really? That kind of brought in to do the videos for that. Yeah. Um, which we could talk about on another podcast because <laughs> that's some interesting stories. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, so it kind of really rejuvenated that love of like editing again, even though I had simple basic camera and editing stuff, I was like, man, I really miss this. Right. And it was at the point in my life that I was, um, back at home because my father had passed away just recently before that. Right. And so the time had come where I had been there. I, my mom was okay. I think. I was ready to go because I knew I didn't want to stay where I grew up because it was never for me. Yeah. I never felt like I fit in there. Right. And so, you know, she knew that it was time for me to go. I had a friend who lived out here. Uh, I was like, hey, you should move out here. I was like, you know what? But I want to go back to school. Yeah. And I can still do this. Right. I'm only in my 40s. Right. Yeah. So I started looking at schools out here and I found my school which is I went to the Scottsdale School of Film and Theater. Great program, especially for being like a college level, um, you know, very affordable. They have some great teachers. They've got really high-end, state-of-the-art equipment. Um, and I learned so much, and I made a lot of great friends and connections there. So, yeah, and once I decided to go back to school, and once we got in it, I was like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Because now I'm doing what I've always wanted you to do. You felt that that feeling. Yeah. That, like the you, the yeah. creativeness and stuff started to kind of come back and going, you know what? Now, what do I have to say? Yeah, yeah. That's the big thing. So, um, and that's where I was like, you know, hey, I want to do a love story regarding someone who's transsexual. I have a story about a drag queen. Yeah, called yeah. Beauty queen. Yeah. Um, and, and the transformation of what someone who does that is like um and then i'm like you know what but i want to push myself outside i don't want to always be pigeonholed though is just doing like these sh social commentary type movies. i see what you're saying yeah they i love them and i probably will always do them because believe me there's enough injustice in this world talk right? about it yeah um 
But I want to do a comedy. I want to do a horror, maybe a documentary. So as I went along through school and I built up that nice network of friends and yeah. DPs and people, um, I was like, let's do this. Let's try other things. And that's how Hot Date came along. Um, what I was privileged to do was my film trilogy called the Nevermore Trilogy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was <laughs> an experience in itself. But And I got to do the music video. Uh, so, you know, you got to branch off and try these other things. And, you know, I'm so happy that I did because, you know, I appreciate different forms. It makes me want to do other stuff. Um, but... You know, I'll always come back to dramas and social justice stuff because, again, that's probably, I think Anna was right, that that is something I probably care about the most. Right. Because, yeah, I'm a pretty political person. Right, and right. And very, you know, outspoken on the injustices that are happening. Racism. Right. Sexism. Sexism. Ageism. And homophobia. Yeah. You know, everything. So. And I think we need more filmmakers or just people in general like that to speak their mind, but really just say what they feel. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes, you know, we get caught up in the politi the political state of things and we lose focus on who we are mm -hmm. and we tend to dumb down who we are mm -hmm. instead of just being blunt and being honest. Some people run away from the truth. One of the things that I like about you, DJ, is that you're honest. Mm -hmm. You tell it like it is. And you like you, you love to challenge situations. Mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate that about you. Well, I appreciate that. I think, you know, the, the thing is, is you, you have to kind of challenge not only people, but yourself. Right. Because, you know, we get, it, it, I'm only human. Is there times that I've been judgmental towards people? Well, of course there we is. all have yeah internally i don't do it externally Inter you know, or i don't vocalize it right right but of course i look at someone and i probably have immediate judgment about them yeah but then i have to check myself sometimes and go why what are you doing that that's you know like mm -hmm. stop stop doing that um because i know what that's like to be judged upon when people don't know you right you know um and so uh yeah i mean i'm i'm always gonna care about those kind of issues and stuff like that but um you know luckily i get to have this platform that lets me do it creatively whether it makes it big time or not i'm still gonna do it even if i don't make a career and th and there's a good possibility that a paid career doesn't happen out of this that's okay right because at least i have tried and i still get to create and do stuff um I, one of the projects I have in the works is another love story, but it's a coming out story. Um, and, you know, what two guys go through because they have to be hidden and in the closet and, and the effects of that. Right. Even today, in 2019, you know, it, it's still pretty prevalent. Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, great movement in the last 30, 40 years you know, with uh, gay marriage able to happen and different rights. But nah, why it, are people still having to feel like they have to be in the closet? Yeah. And I've seen stories on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or even just on online where someone is uh, dating a transsexual and they're being made fun of being bullied. Mm -hmm. And to the point where eventually they end up kill killing themselves. 
it's so hard digesting news like that mm-hmm. because you have an individual or just people in general that's really just want to be who who they want to be but yet people that are around them that don't have confidence in themselves internally of uh, uh i guess lash out mm-hmm. at, to people that are confident in who they are and what they want in life so yeah i think exactly because you know ultimately whoever you're in love with or sleeping with really isn't anybody's business right <laughs> exactly whether that be your family your best friends whoever um you know i think that the the maybe the fear and stuff that they have within themselves mm-hmm. is because ultimately they know it's wrong whether that you know that they were raised a certain way i i understand all that right right i come from rural central yeah. illinois yeah very republican yeah very conservative you know um so i get it you know it's it's about as bible belt and all that <laughs> as you can get yeah but you know you you just have to just keep i like what ellen always says keep on keeping on yeah because in re, you know there's such a short time period on this earth why live someone else's you know live in someone else's fears exactly you know? exactly um i think the the world needs more patience and love and all that kind of stuff you know it's sad that all this you know all this negativity is happening and when you said that about the suicide i have a few a few friends i know that have killed themselves right because they couldn't come out i know when a certain person was elected yeah that there were attacks against people i knew because they were gay right coming out of a club don't know the person that attacked uh, them, oh yeah yeah didn't do anything to the person uh, that attacked yeah, them yeah and were beat with they almost died yeah you know and that is to me so scary and crazy that in this world we have to have things like that happen you know but it goes back to you uh dj being that person that's having this platform to show these challenges but also voice your your opinion on things and yeah. how, and how blunt you are uh one thing that you did tell me in the beginning was uh you know you talk about racism uh homosexual uh homosexuals uh ageism ageism mm-hmm. you, you know you said that you were in your 40s when you went back in school uh i went back to school around like 24 25 and uh, i didn't get my degree until like 26 mm-hmm. so uh, talk about that. What challenges was that going back in school? Because sometimes you have that thing in your head, that battle within yourself, like, damn, I'm going to be around 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and I'm going to be this old person just sitting there. And how did you feel going back to school at that time? Um, so, again, you know, I am human, and, of course, I kind of had fears of what I'm going to be grandpa in the room, <laughs> right? And but But the thing is, is I actually – have been in working around the public and customer service for over 30 something years since I was like 14, 15 years old. Yeah. So I've always been around young people in most of those jobs. Okay. So I'm pretty hip with pop culture and and stuff like that. And a lot of people think I'm younger than I am. Yeah. So I I think I've been able to adapt, but look, whether they're 18 or 19, they're just people. Right. And I have no fear of talking to anybody. I know, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. you're no better than me and I'm no better than you. We've just had different experiences. 
I've been around the block a little longer than you have. Yeah. So I definitely have a little bit more wisdom. And, and that's how I kind of looked at it because, yeah, these kids are coming in and they're so much more computer savvy and tech savvy than me. Yeah. That's okay. Because I have a lot of life experience that they haven't had. Yeah. I've been exposed to a lot of aspects of life. It, shows in, your, it shows in your work too. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm not here to impress them. I'm just here to learn. Exactly. So I can be inspired by you, but I'm not going to be jealous of you. You know, right. I'm doing me because that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Right. And so um, I think when you think like that, it kind of once we got into school, it took it all away because, you know, you j- just be you be yourself. And look, some of them are some of my closest friends and they're only 21, 22. Right. We still talk. School's been out now for a year and a half. Yeah. We still collaborate. We still work on stuff. And if I'm a fatherly figure or a big brother figure to them, and I think I am to a degree for right. a lot of things, um, that's okay because, you know, I learned a lot from them, but hopefully they learn a lot from me and just, you know, uh, not only like wisdom about life, but what I got told a lot of times, especially when we were doing Nevermore 3, which is the biggest film I'd done to date, was, you know, you have such ambition and drive you're going to probably make it because a lot of these people, they kind of half-ass things. They, they don't want to push, you know, I was determined we were making Nevermore three. We had to raise money. Our goal was to raise 2,500. Well, we raised 3,200. Wow. I did not stop until we were going to make it, you know what? Um, so tenacity, you know, ambition, I think is the best word. Where, where does that come from? Um, you know, I think part of it comes from my parents because they were both um, hardworking, especially my mom. Yeah. She's really still to this day supposed to be retired. She's still working, cleaning <laughs> houses, you know, making she's trying money. to get that money. Of course. <laughs> so, so she can spend it. I know she'll be listening to this. But, um, but yeah, it was just that you want something. We didn't have much growing up. You know, we weren't like poor, poor. But we didn't have much money, and there wasn't a lot. And right. So I think growing up that way and having parents that did work hard and kind of told you, look, if you want something, you got to go work for it. And I did at 13, 14 years old. Every summer I would go do tassel corn, do whatever to raise money because I, if I wanted – them shoes or whatever. For oh, you got to work for it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ain't buying, no, no, no. You no. get those Kmart shoes. Exactly. You know? so. No, no. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, and I and I'm glad that they did. And and I was always kind of a responsible kid because I was the oldest, and my sister, who's nine years younger than me, um, she had a lot of health problems. She had a liver transplant when oh, she wow. was only like three years old. Oh wow! And this is in 1985. They were not. They were just beginning liver transplants. Wow! As a matter of fact, quick little story. When my sister had hers, um, she got lucky because. Uh, a Puerto Rican boy got killed in a car accident and got beheaded and he matched her. And they, I remember cause I was old enough, my mom and them getting the call in the middle of the night. Like you have to get here to Chicago right now. now. Wow. And them going and they uh, directly transported that liver from his body to hers instead of from ice. The funny thing is, is my sister was rejecting it. I think my mom, I hopefully got the story right. That, there were like 12 or 13 kids in the same ward that had had transplants at the same time as my sister. They all died. 
she's the only one to make it. Now, whether it be because she was the only one to get like a direct transplant, maybe. Right. Maybe it was just luck. Maybe it's just science. But, um, you know, I, I think having all that kind of stuff happen, I had to look after my brother, babysit them a lot, of course, but I was always responsible and cleaning the house, learning how to cook, all that stuff young, right? Right. So I'm glad because it made me hardworking. I've always, you know, had to work for everything, you know? it. So I'm glad that that stuff was instilled early on because if it had not been, this might not have happened. I probably wouldn't have went back to school. Right. You know, so, um, yeah. And, and I always say to a lot of my bosses at places I work, uh, you'll never be able to be as hard on me as I am myself. Exactly. Because I'm kind of a perfectionist, you know, um, probably ADHD in some ways because everything has to be under control, you know? Right, right. Um, that's good and that's bad, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I recognize it. So, um, but yeah, I definitely think that upbringing and my parents and all that is what has made it. And I've just built upon it as I've gotten older and now I know that it is going to be the one thing that can probably help me succeed. Of course. Because there is going to be a rough time for me. I'm not young. And a lot of people who want to hire people for music videos and commercials now, we're told in film school, they want young people because yeah. they think they have the freshest ideas. But that's, that's what I was saying. Like mm-hmm. the whole ageism thing to me is bullshit, you yeah. know, for someone like yourself that has the ideas that's able to bring those ideas to life, just same versus a young person that's mm-hmm. in their twenties. What is the difference? Mm-hmm. Me personally, I would rather you're someone like you, because like you said, you have experience. Right. You told me that, that growing up, you were a leader. You were the one that was helping your your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, so I will go to you with any heartbeat. Right. You know, I understand giving a young person opportunity because they're young and they got to make, you know, make mistakes and this, that, and there. But you know, I will. I'm comfortable and confident enough with someone like you. Right. So with ageism, which is still is happening in America, it's just it's so crazy. Yeah. You know, it, it is crazy because. Um, people who know me know that I'm a huge, huge Madonna fan. I'm actually going to see her on Monday in hey. Chicago. Looking forward to it. Hey, mom. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing is, is um, she's made a point of it lately in these last years. Um, as someone who's super famous, though, that even though that she's in her 60s, you know, these critics and all that are trying to tell her, hey, Sit down, Granny. You should be retired and live off your laurels of what you've built, right? We talked about that. And yeah, she's like, yeah. fuck you. Right. I'll do what the fuck I want. Right. Because, bitch, I'm Madonna, you know? But it's the fact that I love the fact that she's pushing. Why do you have to be, you can't be in your 60s and making pop music and doing whatever the hell you want? Because you know? it never been done before. Exactly. So- <laughs> and if she's going to help make that easier for other women down the road. Yeah. That's great. And I think she recognizes that. Right. She has to be kind of sacrificed and take the heat, but she's done that most of her career anyway, because she does whatever the hell she wants. That's the thing I think I love the most and why I'm so inspired by her. She's probably one of my idols because of that, because no matter what you think of her as far as a singer or talent, right. The one thing that people will always say about Madonna is that she's, hardworking mm-hmm. 
ambitious right. and tough. She don't play around, you right. know. It, so I mean, she's an icon. She's yeah. in the class of Michael Jackson, Prince. Exactly, uh, they're legends do, for a reason. Read the, exactly, she hasn't been famous for almost forty years for a reason. Exactly, so, she's doing something right. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, people are still paying. Talk about in it. Two thousand nineteen, big dollars. Exactly. To go see her in Chicago. So she's doing thing. something right. Exactly. Um. So talk about Nevermore. So Nevermore. Um. Congrats, by the way. Well, thank you. We we finally have kind of finished this <laughs> film after nearly two years. But hey, it's but, worth but, it's the it's 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 a uh, anticipation. It's the it's the part of the journey for a lot of student filmmakers and yeah. indie filmmakers when you don't have much money, right? <laughs> um, but no, so nevermore. Um, I want to shout out to my friend Max. Shout out Max. Um, he, I, I wanted to do something that was horror related for a cinematography project with my friend Irma. Shout out Irma. Hey, she's Wonder Woman. But I have two DPs I work with a lot: Irma and Stefan. We're the Trinity. I'm Superman. He's Batman. She's Wonder Woman. Hey. So, um, but me and her were in a class together, and I was like, "Let's do this horror thing." She said, "Yeah," and I was like, "Well, what are we gonna do?" talking to my friend Max, who's a screenwriter, and he came up with this short idea, like really short, like five, six page, because a lot of the projects that on my YouTube are short because they were school projects, and that was the time limit you had, like five to 10 minutes at most. Right. And so I was like, well, how do we tell something? And he came up with this story inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, Mm. and it was called Nevermore. Yeah. And I liked it because it's about this girl, Karen, who um, is at home, kind of typical. Her boyfriend comes over. They're watching a scary movie. Mm-hmm. want to make out. Well, she was reading The Raven and, and works of Poe. And then things start happening to her. Like, she starts having vision. And she sees these talking ravens and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that at the I end. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I always liked that. And I was like, man, we can do much more with this, right? So then I talked to my friend for another class like months later and said, let's continue the story. So I talked to Max and was like, this, this. And um, so he came up with it and I wanted to add this character named Virginia Roberts, played by the awesome Berkeley Roberts. Love her. She's amazing. Even though she doesn't do acting as a full-time career, she's breathtaking. And when you see Nevermore 3, you're going to see why. Oh, wow. And and no disrespect to Abby, who plays Karen as the main lead. She's fantastic, too. And she still does acting for theater, mostly. Okay. They're both strong leads. They're both fantastic. Shout out to them. Yeah. And so uh, we bring in this character. So at the end of Nevermore, you know, this girl doesn't know, is she crazy? Because these birds are talking to her and, and things she's seen and blood on the mirror and all this. So we pick up where she's now in an insane asylum. It's months later. And a mysterious doctor by the name of Virginia Roberts comes into her life. And she tells her, I know what's happening to you, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I can help you. But I have to take you to New Orleans. Um, And she's like, you're crazy, bitch. You know, like, (laughs) why would I trust you and all this? But in Karen's mind... It's a way to get out of here, right? Yeah. She's in a straitjacket and Nevermore too. So like anything, up, yeah, anything. I'll do whatever right, it's gonna right, take right. to get out of here because I'm gonna probably escape, right? Exactly. So, and there's some really cool things that happen. Things are still happening to her in that insane asylum, and so we're like, okay, 
Well, when we pick up Nevermore 3, it's pretty much right after they've left. They're on their way to New Orleans. And along the way, uh, I'm just telling you now, there are some things that really happen, big revelations that happen. Oh, shit. And the truth and, and everything is explained on why everything happened. Um, and, you know, it, it's called Nevermore 3 Redemption. And for someone, there is redemption, you know. So Can you tell the people? I'm just I'm yeah, just when you watch YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. When, hopefully, hopefully that's what I was gonna ask you. When? Halloween, Halloween. That's the that's the yeah, goal. Yeah, well, that's my goal because what a perfect day. Exactly, that's perfect to release this movie. It's not straight up horror, but it has horror elements. It's a, it's more of a psychological thrillerish drama. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but it has horror elements, right? And so Halloween just seems fitting to do it on. Yeah. Um, to close this out, it you know Nevermore Three was the biggest challenge because we took on in two and a half days of filming we made what would equivalent to 20 minutes of edited it actually could have been more but for film festivals and stuff we got it down to 20 minutes right um but the work we at school we had capstone projects the school would always uh pick somebody's script they would invest so much money they had to raise so much money but they would have fifteen twenty thousand dollar budgets they would have access to all the school's great equipment wow they had teachers on set as mentors to help and they get like five shooting days right and so you know they produce great 20 minute quality films for the most part i mean right. they look good we're tackling on doing the same thing on our own no help from the school what's your budget our budget was 2500 but remember we raised 3200 32, Yeah, yeah, damn. And we made it happen. We did a capstone size through all those students that we had made connections with, friends who believed in it, wanted to just be a part of it. Because a lot of them, the students, they just want to be on something. Shooting, yeah, right, right. With their friends. And we had nearly like 35, 40 people crew with the actors. So we're doing a capstone size film with one-fifth of the budget half of the shooting time and all that and are there issues with it yes yeah i don't think any director is ever happy it, it, i always heard this quote that if you watch your film and you're satisfied then you didn't do your shit right exactly yeah because you will always be unhappy about something right <laughs> i get it yeah and, and there are things what was like some of the frustration with the whole uh nevermore series well, Nevermore 1 and 2 really weren't... I mean, there were little things like how do we get the birds to look real and talk, you know? Yeah. Uh, Nevermore 2 was we're shooting in a on a little... In a stage area at school. And just the, you know, the slats that are up in the walls and trying to film with these close proximities and, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but we figured all that out. Nevermore 3, we're on multiple locations... We're outside, inside. Uh, that's challenging. Yeah. Um, it's got effects, visual effects that had to be done afterwards. Um, so that was kind of frustrating because we've never shot where we have to keep effects in mind. Yeah. But we can't see them. Yeah. So how do you do that when we haven't really even learned that? So that was challenging. Doing two, like one day was... 13 hours of filming, one day was 16 hours of filming, and the 16-hour day was moving locations. Oh, wow. Like taking everybody Every, from one to another, you know? Wow. 
Uh, so, yeah, it was the most stressful, hardest thing. I was under a lot of pressure ahead of it, trying to get us the money because we were kind of struggling. And I, like I said, I had this tenacious, we're going to get it to make it happen. Yeah. And luckily, and thank you to anybody who donated that is listening because without them, we wouldn't have made it possible. And, and so we feel very blessed about that. But, um, so yeah, and then the main actress, she was she had kind of forgot, bless her heart, that she was booked for a play, so we had to work around her schedule. And that's pretty which tough. Really yeah. threw it off, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it there were we almost got kicked out of the, the hotel we shot in because there's so many people and it's loud, you know. Oh yeah. You're trying to be quiet, but it, it just doesn't happen. You you making a film. So exactly. <laughs> so like we had we almost had fire because there's Spoiler alert, there is real fire in this film. And at one point, a china ball, it's a, it's a lighting thing, um, fell and caught on fire. We were lucky. We got it quickly, okay, cool, you know. Cool, cool, so, cool. Um, But thank God we weren't as a capstone project because that would have been insurance problems in the oh, schools. That we're on our own, so it, it was on yeah, us. So something yeah. happened. But luckily, we, we contained it. But, you know, we had a lot of stuff. But me and Irma and Stefan... We're the main three, you know. Stefan wrote the script. Uh, I, the story was kind of all three of us, mostly him, me. He com- he took it on from what two was. We had a lot of conversations of where they should go, right? Things. Um, I would come in and say, "Let's change this dialogue, add this," you know, things like that. Him and Irma were both co DPs, which is not really common for. a films but i wanted i believed in both of them right i always have they're both great and both talented and i couldn't pick either one over the other and this was a big project so let's do it together right okay and and that kind of caused a little stress because you got two different people's communication is key yeah and so i think they learned from that too um so again the whole process was one huge learning experience uh we didn't get all the coverage i wanted that happens a lot of times in film. You have to make decisions then what's going to get cut because we don't have enough time. So when you say coverage, you're saying... Meaning just, you know, filming, are we getting like this certain actor? Do we have all aspects around them? Are we getting, you know, maybe up like close-ups? Like a, like a close-up or... or mid- medium shots, wide shots, whatever it is. Like, yeah. are we getting enough? So when they're editing, they have stuff to work with. If we're having a dialogue scene and going back and forth, do we have the coverage that we can cut back and forth to them? If not, we didn't in Nevermore three. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's one of the things that I'm probably the most disappointed in. Right. But we ran out of time, and and that's just how it is, you know. And we don't have the budget to recreate all that. And and in, in Hollywood, you would you would do reshoots. Big movies like Star Wars schedule out in advance. We're gonna have this period of time to do any reshoots, get the actors back, all that stuff. Right. Well, we weren't that lucky. But we made it work. And and overall, it's a great little film. I'm very proud of it. It looks beautiful. The cinematography, Irma and Stefan, and everybody who worked as the G&E, which is your grips and gaffer and key grips and all that kind of stuff, they did phenomenal. I, everybody. The, um, there's a boy named Chase. Shout out to Chase. Shout out to Chase. It was his birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, birthday, Chase. Yeah. Um, uh, that was the production designer. He'd never done it. But when you look at this, you... Well, I don't want to say too much, but there is a time difference. Okay. It's not all in modern time. And you actually believe it 
most people believe that we were in that other time, right? That's beautiful. And so that comes from a production designer who makes that happen. So, right. um, but yeah, ultimately it was a lot of stress, a lot of work. It's not perfect. No film is, but it's as good as we could make it. And I'm just proud of everybody who worked on it and made it happen. Um, ultimately, I, I think it's a pretty good ending and a pretty good solid film. And I'm excited for people to finally see it. Is so. this the finale or? This is it. Okay. Everything ends and is told why. And you, you get probably too much exposition, but it, it, because this is the bigger of the films, the other two are only like five minute five, films. Okay. So this is. Yeah. Because this wasn't a school project. Yeah. This was on our own. What made you want to say, you know what, we're going to take this uh, outside of school? And because I wanted it to be okay. bigger than a five-minute. I didn't want to play by the school's rules that you can't have you fire want, on you want to you have insurance, insurance all this yeah. stuff. And I'm like, no, I don't I don't want that kind of... Like um, pigeonhole. Po- pigeon yeah, I don't want yeah. parameters like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's do this. And we did. And everybody came together. And, and like I said, we're very blessed. All the people who donated their time and their talents... I think it pays off, right. you know, when you see it, I hope people enjoy it. You know, I mean, it's still, yeah, a student film and, and people can see flaws and that's okay. But it was such a great learning lesson that going forward, now I know how to apply and what different things we can do. Right, know? right. I recommend everyone to see uh, Nevermore 1 and 2 and then just prepare to watch Nevermore 3 and just look at the growth. I haven't seen Nevermore 3, but I'm betting money that it's definitely a growth from Nevermore 1 and Nevermore 2. So uh, talk about uh, this new era that we're in. Everything is streaming. I mean, you always have conversations about uh, (laughs) Disney+, Plus, Netflix, HBO, uh, all these streaming services. Uh, You being an indie filmmaker and a director, uh, where do you see where your films are going at well ultimately you know we want to get the the biggest thing right now is getting into film festivals because that's great exposure and that's still kind of the kind of classic way a lot of a lot of indie filmmakers are discovered um but with the with today with youtube vimeo vimeo yeah people are putting are getting on like amazon and people can pay and stream already like i know a guy who got his little five minutes short on there. That's what I was going to ask you. Because he was in a film festival. I think he won. Someone who liked it, was interested, said, hey, you know, maybe we'll help you or whatever. Um, so right now the goal is to do good enough work to get into film festivals, get the exposure. A win would be nice. Right. It doesn't matter if we don't because we've been in some hot date. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the festival. King, yeah, Vicarious King. Electric uh, Boogaloo, which is a sequel to Hot Date. It's yes. not officially released yet. It's it's in the festival circuit now. Is Electric Boogaloo, is that uh, like your main film? Is that like your biggest film to date? or No, Nevermore, Nevermore 3, 3 is, is still the biggest. Okay. So Hot Date is a short comedy. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo is another short comedy that's a sequel to Hot Date. Yeah. And we're about to do Hot Date 3, which will be the final of it. Yeah. Um, but me and Stefan, or Stefan wrote the scripts for Hot Date and Electric Boogaloo. This kind of came from him. And then we collaborated, of course, um, especially on this third one a lot. And uh, I, I kind of, we joke that this is it for trilogies. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. So yeah. is that like your thing? Like just breaking it down in like three, three parts? No, it's just that we were looking to have projects to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and those other ones were for classes. So, again, you're, you're constricted, yeah. right? 
now we're not. We're not in school anymore. So we so he's like, let's, we let's extend this. Like, let's, exactly. Yeah. If, if, if hot date three needs to be 15 minutes, it's 15 minutes. I like you that. Know? So, um, but yeah, so. Uh, the films, uh, film festivals. Yeah, film festivals are the best way to kind of get, you know, exposure, all that. It can lead you to distribution, you know, distributors there, uh, stuff like that, which is ultimately what you want because you want to get your films in national theaters if you can. But they're not going to pick short films for that. So one thing I am working on, I have a script written by my friend Isaac. Shout out to Isaac. Isaac. Um, That we are doing, we have written uh, a feature film. It will be done on an indie level. Um, it's called Mama's Girl, and it's kind of a another it just sounds thriller right. horror. It sounds beautiful. It's <laughs> this is title alone. It's going to be yeah. really great. Ti- I believe in it, yeah. and so now it's finding a real producer who believes in it that can help us get the money we need to make a feature film, a ninety-minute film. You know, we raised three thousand. We made a little twenty mil film. That was getting a lot of people to donate oh, their now, time. And now all you want to get to the if we're gonna make a feature film that what is how much the budget for like a feature film <laughs> on the indie level? Like on the, oh, it can it just depends it on depends. the story and the film. It could be some people have made stuff for like ten thousand dollars or less. Right. Some people fifty thousand, hundred thousand. It just really um, depends. It's, yeah, it depends on you know locations, act, all that kind of right. stuff, right? Um, I don't know how much this will take. It's not effects heavy or anything like that. Um, it's not even really multiple. It's only a few locations. Um, really, this is going to be about storytelling, the actors, the performances, and how do we tell it visually. Right. But it's got some great suspense. And maybe some things that people won't expect in there. I, I like to throw some twists in I, sometimes. Hey. <laughs> so I'm excited about that because, yeah, you want to get that into film festivals. You want it to make it where people want to pick it up, buy the rights to it, and place it on Netflix, it, on, put it on Amazon Prime. Those yeah. DVDs that get released for five dollars at Walmart. Yeah. I know people that are associates of mine through like social media that are filmmakers, and some of them have recently gotten their little indie films into dvd markets with wow. walmart and stuff so it's possible and yeah. i know people that are doing it but we got to get to feature films really because most people aren't going to do little five ten minute short films no no no, no. better for like youtube youtube just to throw it on there yeah, and yeah. Stuff like, like that. the content on yeah, content yeah. on youtube yeah but um so you know ultimately the goal is we get there so um you know, slowly but surely. Uh, mama's one, one day at a time. Mama's girl. Is this the one that you told me I can be like a part of, as far as like shooting, like photos and stuff, or no? Oh, that will be hot date three. Hot, okay. Because that's the next one that's gonna we're gonna be working. I on. I love I love hot date. By yeah. the way, so I'm excited. Well, wait till you because Cody, who's the main guy in that, yeah, is returning actually. So is well, there. We ain't gonna say no more. I okay. don't want to give too much away. All right. So. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. But, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um. So you have Mama's Girl, Hot Date. Um, have you ever thought about doing uh, like a web series, like a TV show? Um, I actually haven't, actually, just because I'm more interested in film. film. But I wouldn't rule it out, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you can't rule out anything. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I'd still even like to do a documentary maybe sometime. But 
Um, it's just, I don't think it's in the cards right now. Like a Hot Date 3, uh, my little film um, called Love and Lies, which is the one about the guys in, you know, overcoming uh, being closeted. Yeah. Um, Mama's Girl, hopefully a music video in yeah, the spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I think I got three or four things lined up beginning and yeah. going so that that's enough to keep me busy for a while you know that's, and so we'll see what happens that's amazing dj um so i told some of my friends that i was uh getting prepared uh preparing myself to release and start uh random faces season three mm-hmm. and you were going to be the first guest uh they shot me some questions uh now on your first day of shooting uh what was what was your feelings uh nervous nervous energy because you're all, you're always afraid is this going to work right like yeah. we've prepared we've done shot lists we've went over all this we've re- hopefully rehearsed with the actors yeah but there's so many things that can go wrong yeah yeah you know and people don't realize how much work goes into making even just a 5 minute little short film it can be a whole day of shooting right weeks of editing maybe longer um so yeah i'm always that nervous energy of like is everything going to be smooth? Are we going to get all the shots we need? So, yeah, definitely nervous energy. Nervous energy. Okay, cool, cool. That, I think that's how I was when um, I started DJing about like a year ago. And uh, I had my first set uh, last month. I was super nervous. Super yeah. nervous on the stage. Well, I can imagine, especially when you're in front of live people. Like yeah, that. yeah, and just, they're looking they at you. They you. They could be throwing things at you. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully you're getting the girls throwing the panties. That's a, like, hopefully you know, you'd be a famous rock star. And I know you're a DJ, but you can be like a rock star. I mean, hopefully they, you know, they throw the panties instead <laughs> you of don't pennies. Want that. I mean, you don't want the tomatoes coming. Oh you know? no, no, like, no, no, so. no, no, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, short films is like one of the things that you're that you're focusing on right now tell me uh like one of your favorite short films um or indie film uh, you know a short film that i love that was made into a full feature film is lights out okay it's a horror film the short film is way better than that 90 minute full film okay i need to check it out it's it's literally like five minutes long but it's so much more intense so yeah, definitely check it out. But I mean, there's not. I I mean, I watch a lot of people from my friends' short films and stuff like that. Right. And sometimes I watch other people I don't know. Well, like I'll be on YouTube and I'll look at things just to uh, be inspired by because you know you should see what other people are doing, other directors are doing. You yeah. know, because you might go, hey, oh, I love what they did with the camera there or whatever. And so then you're like. I might incorporate that somehow, you know, it's so what's um who's like your um this is like obvious question I know, but who's like your favorite filmmaker? Um well I think a lot of people would think it would be George Lucas because of the Star I, Wars. Yeah, yeah. And believe me, I love George Lucas. I think he's uh, George isn't really t- the strongest director, but he's a great storyteller and yeah. a great producer and a great uh, at making a world and, and world building and all that. Yeah, um, that is But true. he'll tell you himself that directing like actors on set, which is the director's main job, is not his favorite thing to do. I think he'd rather be in the post editing it and all that. Yeah. Is that um, what's the, is that your favorite thing, doing, doing posts? And... Um, I love being on set. And I do like the editing aspect because I do like to edit. I don't think I'd ever be a professional editor. Yeah. But I love to be with them because a lot of directors, you sit with the editor and you're going over footage and, and they're piecing it together, right? But like yeah, who's your favorite film? Um, hmm. Sorry, 
Well, of course, I love like Spielberg. I love Scorsese. Yeah. Um, uh, trying to think of maybe some more modern ones. Um, I love Ryan Johnson. J.J. Uh, Abrams, he's all right. I like J.J. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of kids from film school will say, oh, I love Christopher Nolan, yeah, yeah. Tarantino, and all them. Yeah. Hey, respect to those guys. They're doing their thing. This is not my favorite I kind see. of yeah, films yeah, and yeah. filmmakers. But yeah. um, Spielberg, I think, because what Spielberg does is he was another one like George Lucas. Just who, built this whole fantasy. Well, yeah. He always did great fantasy films. Yeah. And, you know... Films that touch a lot of people. Like yeah. I, E.T. is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I love that movie so uh, much. Avatar. Avatar was done by James Cameron. Yeah, I love it. You know, you know, James Cameron, he's another solid director. Eh, sometimes, <laughs> like him as a person, you know, you watch interviews and I'm like, eh, he's kind of douchey, but yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but that's that's just people when they're famous sometimes. But How, it, um, how important is it to... Uh, make sure that your crew when you're making a film stay on the same page um well your crew is really everything right yeah so i think that that's why you'll see a lot of directors work with a lot of the same dps yeah for most of their career a lot of times they work with a lot of the same editors right because right. you build a trust because when you're doing creative stuff yeah Egos are fragile because people can give you constructive criticism. Yeah, you know, and, I know. Yeah, and, and that's tough, right? Yeah. So, but you also want to rely on people that you know work hard and come through for you and have been there for you. So the people I've been on sets with, you know, I'm very lucky and blessed to be on these sets with them, learn from them. Um, you know, a lot of them have probably more set experience than me, but that's okay. Yeah. You know. Um, because, like I said, I look at it as a learning opportunity. But, um, yeah, crew is most important. And, and the kind of number one rule is you take care of your crew. Mm-hmm. You, even if you don't have much budget, you make sure that they're fed and take care of well. Because they're working hard for you, right? Right. And if you don't, believe me, people talk. You know, it's one of those. This is an industry where if you've got a reputation, like, you don't really take care of them in that way. Or you're mean. Or yeah. Hard People aren't going to come and help you. People aren't going to want to work with you. Right. You know, your reputation's a lot. So, um, but me, you know, I'm a very pretty much easygoing guy. I, I can be strict when I need to be, but I'm, I'm also very collaborative. I think if you asked Erman Stefan, who are the two people I've probably worked closest with the most, they will tell you that, you know, I will always listen to their ideas. I trust in them to give me their input. I might like it or I might not. And I'll tell you why I don't, you know. And, right. Um, but you have to have faith in them. So, and then they've had experience with other directors who don't do that, you know. And, and they're like, hey, you know, they've told me that uh, D- DJ, he believes in us. Right. And that makes them believe in themselves a little bit more. So, yeah. That is true. That is true. Because, like, I run a indie label and communication is key for me, but also letting the artist know, like, hey, I believe in your work. Mm-hmm. I believe in what you do. Uh, but DJ, I want to tell you, uh, what, before we go, tell people where they can find you at on social media. And, um, um, so, uh, my YouTube channel is pretty simple, just HB4L productions. Mm -hmm. When you bring it up, you'll 
see the big little teddy bear kind of logo head there and my mug you know okay. yeah yeah i, I wouldn't and, say where did that whole oh hb4l yeah so it stands for honey bear for life you were totally wrong okay okay um and it used to be honey bear production pictures pictures productions. okay um but yeah so uh and it's kind of a funny story so the honey bear comes from because i'm a big guy yeah a bear type guy and an old friend of well an old roommate but one of my closest friends he used to make fun of me because i'm from a small rural town he's like oh you remind me of honey boo boo <laughs> and i'm like first of all bitch i will kill you okay <laughs> put me in that same class but right. um so he kind of like you're a honey bear and i was like i at first i kind of really hated it but then it kind of grew and so i kind of liked it and i'm yeah. like all right so then it was kind of just funny. Honey bear for life because I'm going to be a honey bear all my life, right? Right, right. So let's turn it up. HB4L because it kind of has a mystery then. So that people ask you, what does that mean? That's amazing. You know? So, um, but yeah, so HB4L Productions on YouTube. I have a Facebook page for HB4L and um, Instagram as well. And then people would find me, my own page um, on Instagram and Facebook just under David Walker. Um, it, you know, I go by DJ, but you know, that's how you're going to find me on there. Uh, hoping to in this next year, get a professional website done. Um, I'm already on, I do have some IMDB credits for like hot date and yeah. those. I want to beef that, you know, up of course, getting more like, uh, business cards and really preparing for that this, feature film this life after school okay, now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and going forward with all these projects that are being done since school's out now. Right. Um, and making this hustle happen to make it legit and real. So not that doing it in school wasn't, but there's student films, you mm -hmm. know, you have a lot of mistakes and then that's what student film making. I think it, it's kind of for, you get to learn and, and mess up while you're in school. Right. Right. And people aren't going to hold, they're going to look back and, Hopefully one day, 20 years from now, I look back and go, <laughs> can you believe I really made that? Yeah. Well, that shit is really, you know, sucks. But um, but for now, it's great. And I love it. You know, it's the best thing ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I want to tell you again, thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. I'm looking forward to all the films and music videos. And hopefully we, we will be collaborating soon. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to make that happen. I you know, know. I'm going to stay on you I know, until I it know, does. I know. I know. Uh, again, um Definitely check out uh, his work on YouTube, follow him, support him, and uh, just thank you, DJ. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I think, you know, people like you, given people that are, you know, local and indie trying to make it, it's such a great platform because there's probably an audience that I would never reach yeah. had they not listened to it on your podcast. Amazing. So thank you for making that happen. Well, thank you all for tuning in. This is uh, episode one. Uh, season three of Random Faces Podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram at Random Faces Podcast, and we'll check y'all next episode. Peace. <laughs>